Hollywood Live Extra with Tanya Hart. My guest today, Rod Dimery, is a former homicide detective in Shreveport, Louisiana. He had an amazing 100% success rate in solving murder cases during his 14 years with the Violent Crime Unit. But you know what? It was Rod's own story that really has made this such an incredible journey. Rod's mother was murdered when he was three years old. The case went unsolved for 35 years until he solved it. And he is profiled in the investigation discovery series, Murder Chose Me. Rod, welcome to Hollywood Live Extra. Oh, my goodness. What a story. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Tanya. Thank you. I got, you know, I've got to ask you, your mom is murdered when you're three years old. Then it, when you're in your 20s, your brother is convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison. But instead of succumbing to that cycle, you pursued a career in criminal justice. Why? The, the title of the show is Murder Chose Me. And, uh, you know, I get asked, you know, how that title come up. Well, it's kind of spiritually based. You know, I, of course, my grandparents raised me, so I grew up in the church and I knew that God had a plan for me. I just didn't know what it was. And I, and I always say I didn't choose that profession. I think it was, was destined, predestined for me. And, uh, you know, it was just as long as I can remember, I was going to be a police officer in my mind. And, and there it wow. was. It just uh, developed that way. It gives you a, a unique perspective. You know, my, my grandparents, I had to watch my grandmother grieve the loss of her daughter to, to a murder. And, um, you know, my right. grandfather and my brother, uh, my uncles, my aunts, you know, we just lost so much. And I don't have a real vivid memory of my mother, but I do of my family and what they went through. So it made right. it difficult to go to a crime scene, tell someone that they lost a loved one. And I, I just couldn't go home until I got some relief for them. my brother's case. You know, we were kids. You know, we grew up together, you know, riding bicycles, Cub Scouts mm-hmm. and, and all the things that boys do. Um, and he goes to prison for murder. So I learned to separate after a while. I learned to separate the crime from the criminal. And realized that my brother was still that kid that I, I played with. So those things, when I would go out and work a case, I had a, yeah, I don't know. I just had, I understood on a different level, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But how did you solve your own mother's murder case 35 years after the fact? Well, it had been gnawing on me, you know, pretty much all my life. But um, I was a policeman at the time. I worked uh, burglary, I think, at that time. And um, I just started pulling things together. I found the police report. And I found a few holes in it. Then I found the autopsy report, and that didn't match. And the the guy who uh, she had married after a year after I was born, he, his story didn't match. And I started to find all these things and pieces. And I found the people that were involved, some of them that were still living. And eventually, I found him and talked to him, and uh, recorded my interview with him, and uh, put the case to rest. And so, was it the the man that she'd been married to? Who was who was the perpetrator here? Yeah, exactly. It was a domestic violence uh, type situation. And, it, you know, it happened in 1969. And what's, uh, you know, at that time in our in our country, women didn't have a whole lot of rights. They were somebody's property. That's true. And my mother, That's being true. a black woman, she really didn't have any rights. So, you know, I think the system kind of failed her. But, um, yeah. you know, it, wow. it, it worked out later in the long run. It really did. You know, you are also a U.S. Navy veteran and a best-selling author of a book, No Place for Race, Why We Need to Address Social and Economic Factors That Are Crushing Us Every Day. You know, you talk about race relations and crime, but I've got to ask you, we have seen so many white, what I'm calling white domestic terrorists in our country. You notice nobody's even talking about ISIS anymore. Uh, right. What is the difference between being murdered in the black community and being murdered in the white community? 
Well, there's absolutely no difference. And you know, I'm glad you brought that point up because I hear that a lot. You know, for whatever reason, people think there's a different type murder. But I can tell you, you know, 31 years law enforcement, 14 in homicide. If you're a white mother and you've lost your child, you're going to grieve the same way a black mother or a Latino mother or a, a mother or somebody that's a member of the LGBT community. And it's, it's universal. You know, pain is universal. Violence is universal. Mm-hmm. Murder is universal. But when you, you have a, a disconnect, you know, people throw in things that are kind of superficial on, on, on a grand scheme of things, you know, a loss of life. And when you start splitting those hairs or you start talking about one having more weight than the other, it's, it's I think that's where you lose. And um, law enforcement, leadership, and politics, they shouldn't even opine on anything like that. Uh, you know, our job is real simple. Somebody needs help. Somebody needs protection. We protect them. We help them. And once they start discussing those things, and you see that a lot lately, you're going to miss it. I mean, our job is to protect people and serve people and not have any luxury of deciding what we like and what we don't like. So right. to answer your question, there's absolutely no difference at all. A loss of life is a loss of life. And, you know, it's a shame that that people just can't get that. Yeah, they really don't. And in fact, I'm thinking, why don't they send you to Chicago to help out there? Because there's so many black people murdered every weekend, especially in the summer. Nobody ever catches them. Is anybody looking for those people and and other folks in our community? I mean, who looks for these folks once somebody's been murdered? Well, you know, and that's the, the, the police department, that's the detective. And you know what? Nine times out of ten, it's not the police officer. It's the, it's the structure that he works for. You know, if you have a, a failed leadership, then they're, they're going to allow these things to go. You know, when I worked homicide, I got assigned a case. I wasn't going home until I got it done. You know, now, you know, you have these attitudes and you have these people that don't have connections in the, in the, in the community and that nonsense about nobody wants to tell. And I just think it's garbage. I think that people want their communities protected. And I don't believe there's no, I don't think there's anything remotely close to no snitching. When the community decides they don't want to talk to the police, it's because the police failed, not because the community failed. It's, uh, you know, it's like a parent saying that my kids did this because they did it. Well, you know, you have to, you got to set that environment and you got to be that example. And, you know, if, if it starts to fall apart, then you got to look within. Wow. But, you know, we think about all the guns. Oh, there are too many guns on the street, period. But guns in the black community are so easy to get, I'm assuming. Um, why is that? Where are they coming from? And what do we do about it? Well, you know, I think there's certainly a proliferation of guns. And I don't think, to answer your question, I don't think there's anything we can do about it. Because guns are probably a, a, as American as apple pie. Uh, I think that the other answers are what we need to look at, not necessarily you know, who has a gun, but um, who has a gun that has a propensity to kill somebody. Um, and when you talk about urban crime and black crime, especially, you know, I, uh, obviously I'm a black man, so I know I know what goes on in black neighborhoods. But there's so much more than that. You know, we have a culture where, where it's almost glorified. If you, if you listen to pop culture and you hear some of the guys talking about how they're going to shoot this person, kill that person, and how much money they got, we start to lose our souls. And it's not necessarily yes. that we lose our souls to that kind of... Uh, attitude and mentality is that the people that are supposed to lead us shouldn't allow that to happen. And, you know, some of our children are not able to distinguish entertainment from reality. And I think we take that for granted. Yeah, we do. And I got to ask you, I mean, how much is, you know, you're on a TV show. How much has television glorified all of this? I mean, I know it does. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it does. You know, television, music, uh, video games. But the reality is, is that when you put out uh, a product or, or some information, it should have 
some sort of responsibility to it. You know, if you're if you're if you're watching a show and somebody's talking about somebody getting killed and it's so cool and so you know this guy's the biggest gangster, that's kind of destructive. But if you show the effects of that, you know, and when you watch it, you know, murder shows me, you'll see you'll see it. You'll see this mother who's just I mean, it's heart wrenching. And when you humanize murder again, where it's not something that's just so generic or something that we're so desensitized right. to, then we may be able to get somewhere. And you know. I, I just, I, you know, maybe I'm just getting old, but I just don't subscribe to that. You know, I shot this person. Uh, my gun is bigger than yours type thing. And, you know, at, at what point do you realize that, uh, you know, we have a responsibility in, in, in how we teach our, our own? Yes, we do. And I want everybody to know that they're listening to Hollywood Live Extra. I'm Tanya Hart. And today my guest is Rob Dimery. Uh, Rob's career is profiled in the investigation discovery series Murder Chose Me. He is one of the most successful uh, detectives out, coming out of Shreveport, Louisiana for many, many years. And Rob, I, I've got to ask you, your story is really inspiring. But lately here, you know, we've got a bunch of new tools uh, here in California. They just call caught a former cop who has now been charged with several murders and rapes over almost a 40-year period. And the way that they caught this man is unbelievable. It was through DNA through his great, great, great grandfather. How important is DNA? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) wow. How important has DNA become these, these days in terms of solving these crimes? Well, you know, I have a different perspective. You know, we have DNA fingerprints and all this other forensic, you know, scientific evidence. But at the end of the day, you can you can place somebody at the scene of a crime, but you can't really say that that person did it. I mean, we've experienced that in some of the most infamous cases ever. The reality is, is that you can't replace that person-to-person, human-to-human relationship. And most old-school police will tell you that. There's a huge difference in saying, you know, I found this person's fingerprints or DNA at a crime scene and somebody saying, yeah, I killed this person and this is what I did with the gun and then matching the DNA to, to, to kind of fit their story. I think that it's too heavily relied on. Um, you know, it's not to say that I, 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 I'm disparaging it. I, I'm not. But I think that there's something unique about person to person contact. And when you start losing the battle, you can't rely on mm-hmm. science. To, to, to solve the crime because it's not going to do it. You can you can have somebody with a gun in their hand, but you don't know who pulled the trigger. So it's it's yeah. one of those things where it's good to verify what you've heard, whether it's from a witness or even the suspect himself. But to rely on it is is uh, you know I know I, I just haven't got there yet. Well, I, you know, just to go back to your own personal story of your brother who was convicted of murder, do you think that he was the, the culprit? Did he actually murder this person, do you believe? Oh, yeah, my, bro- my brother absolutely did it, and he told me he did it. Um, and I took him to the police. Um, it was about 15 years before I could speak to him again. You know, I had a hard time with forgiveness. In fact, the guy who killed my mother, I was still here to forgive him. Um, you know, I felt like my brother owed me something. But the reality is, is that my brother did it. And I think that because he committed that crime, you know, for a while there, it defined him for me. But the reality is, is it didn't. It's what he did. And he's punished for it. And, you know, he absolutely should be. Uh, I just don't, mm-hmm. I, you know, to, to be to be in a situation where, you know, I grew up without a mother. You know, my mother was, was struck down. She was shot nine times. And, and in oh. my opinion, oh. if, if somebody does that, I, I really don't care what type of person you were before that happened or even after. The fact is, is that, you know, people are, are suffering through that. And if you look inside our communities, and when I, when I say our communities, I'm talking about urban and black communities, there's so much loss of life. There's so much, you know, yes. apathy to it. Oh. The reality is, is that we, we've got to do something about it. 
We absolutely will. Well, I thank you for all you've done. We're going to have you back again because this is something that I think we have to keep putting out there in front of people and saying, look, pay attention. Don't be desensitized by what you see on TV. Murder is murder. And a lot of people are in pain for the rest of their lives because of this. You know, they really are. uh, It's it's heart-wrenching. I mean, there's nothing like watching the mother of bury her child. I mean, it it makes you forget everything. And I think we need to get to a point where we can suspend all those other things that really don't matter and deal with the person who's in in pain. Thank you so much. Now, where can we find all of the information about you and the show and and your social media, etc.? Okay, uh, Investigation Discovery ID has a website with my show and descriptions. There's also a wonderful app called ID Go, which you can go back and watch the first season. My Twitter is at rdemery. Um, my Instagram is um, I am Rod Demery, and uh, I have a book on Amazon, it's a Kindle version, uh, No Place for Race. Rod, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back in touch with you. Hey, thanks for having me. For all of our listeners out there, don't forget to subscribe to Hollywood Live Extra on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. Make sure you download all of these because you don't want to miss any of them. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. I'm Tanya Hart. Hollywood Live Extra, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.